0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Good Grow Great Podcast. I'm Talia Toha, and this is Six Degrees of Greatness. This is where we really unpacked almost start to finish some particular topic that is really kind of challenging for a lot of you guys listening whether that is something that can help you in your personal life something that can help you in at work or your business or your relationship with your your family your clients your boss whatever that might be there's always a question that keeps us turning, right? And keeps us really kind of standing still sometimes uh, and stuck. And so today we really want to get everyone unstuck who's listening and welcome for sure. If you are listening from one of the 60 plus countries of uh, the, that are amazingly always joining us. So thank you guys for the support. Thank you so much for the love. This had been an amazing, amazing podcast and community. And Good Grow Great had really, really grown in the past year. So I really wanted to share with you today the wonderful Brandy Bernioski, who is absolutely phenomenal in her work. Now, I got to kind of give you a quick warning because she's worked with some heavy, heavy hitters, including Brene Brown, Laverne Cox, Allie Brown, and Judy Smith, all of which, of course, are just fantastic in their work. And so today, Brandy is going to be unpacking certain things that can really, really help you guys and answer questions like, well... What exactly do I need when I start a business or maybe start a website or maybe have a side income, right? And want to have a website. So she's gonna be unpacking all of those things and she's gonna be talking things from you know what most people don't know about successfully naming a company or an offering, right? How exactly can you name it in a way that is compelling and meaningful? And also what are some uncommon ways that she actually discovered what she's meant to do? This is really interesting because a lot of people are on on a fork or an, an intersection and they're trying to decide is this really something that I'm supposed to be doing or should it be this other thing? She went through a few things that really helped us, uh, helped her rather, discover, okay, you know what? This is the thing for me. And she's going to be sharing the one key aspect behind designing a website that gets you more views, right? Whatever it is, whether this is a hobby that you're thinking of doing, whether this is a real business or just a way to get a side income. What are the ways to design a website that can get you those really, really impactful views? And uh, she's also going to be sharing the thought process that she uh, went through behind making a big decision, right? And how you can do the same when you're trying to make a big decision that you hopefully won't regret. And so this is something that I think is going to be very, very useful and something to dip into if you are at that form, or if you're just even thinking, oh, should I even bother doing this activity that everyone is saying I have to, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, we're also going to be talking about two proven ways that you can start getting clients if you're on a slump today or getting more job interviews, right? Whatever it is that you need, if it requires that you get to another person, Uh, This would be useful to you. And also how often an update is necessary if you want to win back some time regarding your website, things that you're upkeeping. And last but certainly not the least... Randy learned from working with Brene Brown and her team, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. I cannot wait for you to hear what she has to say about the wonderful Brene Brown. So without further ado, you guys, be sure to hit that follow, add, collect and subscribe button because we are going to be diving into some amazing things. Growth solvers. Let's do it.
1: Brandy, welcome to the podcast. So good seeing you. So good seeing you too and being here. I'm really excited for our conversation today.
0: Yeah, this is awesome because I I feel like in this past year, there's so much conversation going on virtually and I've met so many great people just by virtue of you know the podcast and also because people are now a lot more kind of, they have the Zoom, they have everything. So I love having you here and I cannot wait to hear a little bit more about your story and your business and share that with our listeners but I wanted to actually start with your your concept, your business concept, and why the name Alchemy and Aim. But let's start really with alchemy, right? And what does that word mean to you? How did you come to that, uh, really that space? And um, and walk us through that a little bit in terms of diving into that particular uh, area of business.
1: Absolutely. So I think that kind of field of alchemy had always interested me. I have a background in religion and in science. And so really alchemy is like the early, it was the early science that existed in the world that kind of came from religious pursuits. So the idea of alchemy is that you can transform materials from their current state into another state. And, and, and typically the, the whole thing about alchemy is like, you would, you'd want to change something like lead to gold. Like it was always like, change it to gold, change it to gold. Um, because everyone in that time really wanted more gold, of course. So, but I, I, I really, I loved this concept this very ritualized approach that transforms something from where it is to its like next highest level. And when I started to think about naming my business, because it was about, I would say it was about two years into having my business that it actually dawned on me, I should name it. Um, I, I really wanted something that captured not just what we did, like, you know, like the product we produced, but the effect we actually had on our clients. And for me, it's, it really is. It's like... Any product, any service really is about um, we purchase because something's going to transform us or our world. So kind of tying back into alchemy and choosing that as one of the the words in my business name was really because I wanted to emphasize the transformation that we go through when we go through a process of any sort and that we are going to come out on the other side of that process smarter, wiser. um, just higher versions of ourselves because we've dug in a little differently than we do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah,
0: I think this is a, such an interesting choice and actually probably really emotionally intelligent because when you do choose words to associate with your business, I mean, we we hardly, we don't talk about this too much on the podcast, but I think this is definitely something that's useful for people to, to know because a lot of times when they start something, they're like, well, what name should I use or what should I mm-hmm. call it? You know, what should I, what should I share? How should I share this with other people? And you had so aptly chosen alchemy because of that transform, transformative piece, which I think is really fascinating. Um, and do you feel like when you, when you maybe cho- chosen that word was there a degree of, ex, you know, explaining that you have to do to to people? Because I think for the audience who's listening, who are maybe looking to to you as an, a source of inspiration, and just kind of going, "Oh, that's interesting." I'm I'm going to name my, you know, I don't know my my business, um, you know, Space Odyssey or whatever it is, yeah. you know. And so, but then all, also still going through that critical thinking process of, well, would I have to explain it too much? Um, Did you go through any of that at all? And I think it'd be great to hear just kind of any, any form of anecdote from, um, from you on what, how you weather that, how you navigate that, whether you even need it to, so what does that look like?
1: I will say very fortunate these days because there are, because there's just such an abundance of amazing businesses out there. I don't think you have to as thoroughly explain your business name as maybe you used to 20 years ago. Um, you know, I, I would say, yeah, definitely like two decades ago, if it didn't make sense, but like, I mean, you think of like, we have, you know, Amazon, the word Amazon doesn't necessarily mean anything having to do with the service they provide. And that's more and more common. I think, you know, I always say like the, you know, naming a company alchemy and aim is a little on the hipster side of ways to name companies, but at the <laughs> same time, like single words are kind of gone. So it's important to, to choose. I think as long as you are choosing things that are meaningful to you and you find a way to talk about them when people ask you about them, I think that's really what matters. But most of my clients these days don't often ask what alchemy and aim means. We've just kind of become like it's yeah alchemy and website development. It's just kind it of exists. becomes synonymous for us. Yeah,
0: I agree with you. There's so many kind of uh, names that kind of draw curiosity, which I think is also important, but without it being misleading, and and rather with it being intentionally leading it to the right direction. So I think you've done it so wonderfully. So I think uh, people who are listening definitely can take pointers to that. Um, I do wanted to touch on, you know, and this kind of goes along the same lines of, you know, naming your business something unique. You had mentioned Mentioned um, you know before we started rolling that uh, that you you were crying in the middle of a political philosophy class in grad school, which I think this is so such a fascinating story, and I'm sure this could be very valuable to anyone listening because sometimes you go through moments in life when you thought this is my worst nightmare ever, you know, like this yeah. is just the worst. So, and then you touched on how that essentially kind of made you realize, okay, what am I trying to do here am I trying to fit into a box other people's boxes what is right so can you first maybe share to to the audience who's listening what happened and, yeah. and then how you overcome that
1: yeah so I was I thought I was going to be a college professor that was really I was in school with the goal of really just being a lifelong student and becoming a college professor. So I was on my path to getting a PhD in philosophy. And in many of my classes was doing very, very well, but I had this one political philosophy class. And this was, this was like my second year of grad school at this point. And I don't know what it was about this class and this teacher. He, he made it very clear to me that he thought I was not um a philosophy grad like i was in philosophy grad student material because in addition to being a philosophy grad student i also had a, like two blogs and one of those blogs was voted voted um one of the top blogs in san diego during the time i was in grad school in that area so I I don't know what it was. It just it felt like he was like my arch nemesis, and I know that that's like not true, but at the moment it totally did. And like no matter how I could go about approaching this class, I always felt like always felt like I was less than, and I was failing because I wasn't. I wasn't like the other students who were there, and it was so disheartening and so stressful when you do everything that you. You think you should be doing to be successful, and you're just not successful. And it, it, so yeah, so there was a more than one instance in which I would literally like, I left the classroom, had to, just had to leave. Um, there was one time I was actually, I think, even in the almost in the middle of a presentation and started sobbing and had to leave. And this, I'm like, I'm and It's not like I'm 22 years old. I was like 32, 33 at this point. Yeah. So I was a grown adult yeah. being brought to tears because I felt so like, I so just lacked any quality that would allow me to be successful in the class, let alone the field. Um, and I think, you know, what moments like that teach you are first of all it really is never as bad as it feels like it's going to be in that moment and that maybe there maybe when it doesn't feel like a right fit it's not a right fit you know overall and that's kind of what i kept getting a sense of while i was in grad school it was like i i really loved learning i liked doing the work there were certain classes and moments that i just didn't love being a grad student and I was like, this is material is just not for me. Looking back, I I realized I took a lot of naps when I was in grad school. Like the material put me to sleep a lot. Yeah. And maybe I should have taken that as some sort of like warrant. I didn't know if it was like my brain was trying to absorb the concepts or if I was literally just bored and fell asleep. And I I think it was slightly maybe towards the that second piece of it. Um, but I think you know, you just going through those those moments they're just wake up calls of like, am I in the right place? Because it's not that you're not going to encounter difficulties when you're, when you're in a place that you love. Like I still encounter difficulties in my business. You know, you still hire someone who doesn't quite work out. Or, I mean, there's just always going to be obstacles and challenges. But when you encounter those that really like, have you questioning your sense of self and your purpose and your brilliance, particularly, I think that those are really good moments to evaluate. Like, am I doing the right thing? And sometimes even in business, that's like, am I doing the right thing? Or do I need to be, you know, do I need to get rid of a product that's just no longer serving, you know, me, my team and our audience?
0: Yeah. And I think you had gone through and you touched on something that's really, really important. Right. And I think to your point, people go through this at all stages in their lives, whether it's kind of like you when they're in grad school, and they realize that, oh, no, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm even falling asleep to the material. (laughs) And, you know, and and I think it's, it's those kind of transitional moments that that really will define your future path, right? And how do you then make decisions based on, um, you know, things that maybe at first seem meaningless and seem like, oh, this is just a small thing. I can just ignore it. It's just because I'm tired or whatever. Right. Uh, But then if it keeps recurring, right. And then you kind of lift that and put that up on the top of your list. I am kind of curious because, most people who've gone to grad school, and this ties into, you know, business owners or career professionals who are so deep into their work already, and yet they're starting to feel that friction. Because with, in your case, when you were in grad school, that was, I would say that if you're already in grad school for something, you, you're you kind of considered a professional already, right? Mm-hmm. And you're already knee deep in certain spaces. Was it, did you get pushback from your family, from friends, or maybe even yourself kind of going, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm already like halfway through the program, I, you know, whatever it is. And, um, and how did you kind of weather that out? How did you finally, you know, flip that switch and, yeah. and go, this is not for me.
1: Yeah. I, for honestly, the first thing I did is I said, I'm going to take a break because I don't think you are, you can make the best decisions for yourself if you're in the middle of an emotional state of anything. So that was the first decision I made as I, after two years of grad school, I was like, I'm taking a break. I need to not be here. I need to put myself in a different situation. Um, and really, I actually, one of the first things I did is I did a road trip from, um, it went from San Diego up to Vancouver and then down across the country to New Jersey. Nice. So I really had this by myself too. So I had this opportunity to kind of like meet different people that I knew in, in other ways along the way and just see different parts of the United States and just get myself really rocked out of any norm, you know, any safe space I was in. And that really helped put perspective into my world of like, wait, what am I doing? And am I really happy doing these things? Or is there something else for me? So that's, I feel like that's, you know, sometimes just the first, the first thing to do is just like give yourself that opportunity for space. So you're no longer as immersed in it. And even if that space is like, you know, a long walk in the woods without any technology, sometimes that's all the space you need. You don't need to do, I think it was like a 28 day day road trip that I did. Like I was like really just kind of traveling for a while and it was, it was exactly the space I needed. So I think that's really like, the key rather than keep pushing yourself. But the other thing that I did, which was really helpful is I started kind of casting a a vision of what my future would be if I stayed. So, okay, I'm two years in. So what is the trajectory for me if I stay? Okay. Then I've got at least, you know, unfortunately in in the case of a PhD, it's not just two more years. It's like another five. I'm going to have to build a topic. I'm going to have to defend a topic. I'm going to have to look for a job and hope that there is a position open in some university in the specific field that i'm in and then i'm going to have to you know get a job at whatever university has that field open which may not be in a location that i love so i really started like looking into my future and like what does that picture am i excited about it and for me in that case the answer was like no that's actually really not aligned with my my values and the life I want to create for myself, like, I don't want to have to be told where I should live, I really want to be able to choose where I live. And I was very emphatic about that. So it just it, you know, it really wasn't aligned with my like, deepest, most inner values is really what it came down to, but I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have been able to really see that and really know it had it not been for that space.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's so interesting that you mentioned giving room to breathe, right, for for ourselves to kind of think and have that moment of solitude, whether that's really being still wherever you are, or in your case, you know, you travel deeply across the United States, which I also love. I think that's something that most people haven't done and should always do because it really kind of takes you away to your point. The perspective really is being introduced in that way because you just cannot get out of where you're already in unless you actually put yourself out there and and just kind of go okay well this is different this is an interesting feeling this is an interesting lifestyle or whatever and um i think what really resonated with me the most when you mentioned you know casting your vision out to the future on the podcast i did mention once um and this ties into your story about how you know i i was established in a corporate world uh, for a number of years and then i saw what my mm-hmm. colleague, who's a veteran, like 60 years, very established, very successful, had to deal with in the middle of his, um, his daughter's you know, birthing room. His daughter is giving birth. So first grandchild, everything and phone was you know the phone was ringing everything and he just could not stop it and that's when i realized i was like well i don't want that like i don't want the inability to choose between my daughter and grandchild in the middle of like a literally screaming and and hospital room and work. Yeah. I feel like that's so not aligned at all. So I'm so appreciative that that you mentioned that and share that with the audience which I think is so so important. And I think uh, this is the other thing that I am kind of curious because you touched on essentially okay figuring out what's important first, right? And then moving forward before you kind of just power through towards the wrong path. But for you, um, let's talk specifically in the process of, you know, creating a website that's meaningful, aligning with, with, you know, your values. And especially in your space with website design, I think there's a lot of questions that people usually come up with, you know, when they start their business, they're always like, okay, what kind of website I should do, right? What, you know, how does yeah. it look like, how many tabs and all of these things kind of come up. And I'd actually like to go a little bit deeper, right, and and just kind of go before all that, you know, what is what's your approach and what's your philosophy in suggesting where people should start if they're looking to, you know, whatever, refurbish their website, let's say. And, um, and to kind of, I mean, people use the term, you know, rebranding, I I kind of stay away from that term, mostly because I feel like we're like cattles, like being, I don't, I don't resonate with that term, quite, quite as much as just kind of showing up in a way that is true to you. So what's your, what's your top approach when, you know, people come to you and ask, you know, those kind of questions?
1: Well, I think it's exactly what you just said is the first question always is, is the website you have reflective of you and your business now? And most of the time it's not, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you, it's not, it can't be because you are evolving in the process that doesn't always mean. So I'm, I'm very careful with clients to help. Like, I want to make sure they understand, um, redoing a website isn't always about doing a new whole custom site and things like that. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's simply like realigning the language on the site first to make sure that it's reflective of who you are now, the offerings that you have now, and who your ideal client is now. Like when we think back, you know, a year ago to before there was, you know, a quarantine and things like that, I mean, everyone was changed in this process and people's buying behaviors changed and how like kind of the day-to-day lives they lived changed. So like, you can't assume that the ideal client that you're working with and that you're trying to appeal to is always going to have the same needs, wants, desires, problems that they have right now in this moment. You have to actually take some time to like check in, like what's going on, what's going on in the world, what's going on in people's lives, have things shifted? Um, and I think it's, it's just important to kind of like recalibrate, like, are you speaking to people in the way that you need to be speaking to them so that it actually like really appeals to them and draws them in, um, is, is your presence on the site accurately representative of who you are now? Like, you know, certainly like if you go chop your hair off and dye it bright pink and, All the photos of you on the website have you with like long dark hair, you may want to take some time to update photos. Um, And then from there, really, like what I end up exploring a lot with clients is like, where's your business now and where is your business going? And how can we bridge those two places with technology? Sometimes that's going to be through the copy, sometimes it's going to be through photos, and sometimes it's going to actually be through technology on the site of like how we're allowing customers and clients who are coming to your website to actually connect with you and what process we're taking them through to, to build that trust so that they're, they're purchasing in some way, shape or form, or that you're building the relationship is really the way I like to think of it. But I think it comes back to just like you have to, before, you know, when you start to feel like your website's misaligned, I think it's important to do a check-in with yourself. And figure out like, have your value shifted? Have your needs wants, desires shifted? Is, is your business, are your offerings, are they changing? And really start there because no matter what I build for a website, if, if we don't have those pieces aligned first, there, there's no beauty that I can add to it that's going to um, fix the underlying structure. Like we have to make sure that underlying structure of who you are what is the business here to do, and what are you offering people? That has to be clear.
0: Yeah, and I think this is so interesting that um, you know, you and I kind of agree on this in, on this topic. That there's so many. I think asking the right questions. I talk about this a lot on the podcast. You know, asking the right questions are so important because a lot of people always tend to gravitate towards, oh, what do I, you know, what do I need? What kind of server, you know, like all of these kind of questions that should come. After a yeah. handful of other more important questions that you had just touched on, I do want to touch on because you you mentioned you know building that relationship and trust with people whom we 're looking to show up to serve right, and how that 's so important and in your in your case, how to do that in, with a captivating design and how to do that with the way that um, aligns with what you 're talking about your message and and um sharing that with the world uh and so i'm kind of curious about your um approach in you know again building that the trust factor because it seems like all entrepreneurs and business owners or even career professionals who i've spoken with they each have their own personal take and unique take Mm -hmm. on how they've done that in the past and what's worked for them Um, what about you? Like what's worked for you when it comes to, you know, building relationship and trust and how can listeners who are listening maybe do the same or adopt and adapt?
1: Yeah. And I have same thing. I've seen it done in so many different ways with clients and collaborators that I've worked with. For me personally, the way that I've built my business has been on like referrals and collaborations. So having like really being able to go deep with a client and really serve them. It's one of the reasons that I have clients come back to me, you know, five, six years later for their next website. Like they just keep coming back to me because they know I like, I'm not only going to help them make sure they're making the right investments, but that I'm going to really make sure that we're holding the big picture and the big vision for their business as we're building. So that's really like, I, I've just invested a lot in the relationships that I have. I've looked for new collaborators. So one of the things that's interesting about my company is that we actually don't have design in-house. I'm design-minded. A lot of our developers are design-minded. We do development primarily, and then we bring in and we source really brilliant designers. Like I am, do not ask me to do your branding, like colors, fonts. I'm, I'm just, it's not my thing ask me to do the big vision and ask me to like help you find the right team. Cause that is really where I excel. So we pull in the right people and that has been something that's worked phenomenally for us and it's reciprocated. So, you know, I may pull a designer in for a project when I fit th- feel they're a great fit and they will pull me in for a project when they feel that we're a great fit. And that's, you know, it, it's kind of a very natural way to, um, just keep building without having to feel like you're, you're marketing. Like, I don't feel like I've ever like marketed my business. I just feel like I've just built these great relationships. And then because I've built those, those have like kind of done the work for me in many ways.
0: Yeah. I love this approach and I'm a big believer in this approach as well. So many people, I think, Tend to just kind of revert to to that approach that they see, you know, people with whatever two hundred thousand followers do, and that they just kind of like, oh, I just have to show up on the socials or whatever, and yeah. and post consistently, which is what everyone always says, which is not necessarily wrong, but again, what precedes the other, and I think your your approach it's one of those things that, you know, if any, if all else fails, right, if, if our business, you know, fails five, 10 years down the road, you know, that those are the things that will stand. And you know that you can always go back to that approach, because you've done it before, you know, it's work, and it's going to work again, versus I'm just going to build an account and or like a website. And let's see, like, if you know, just hopefully people come, right. So I I love that approach. Because um, personally, I also resonate with that, as well. Um, I do want to kind of touch real briefly on, you know, uh, I think the maintenance of website is something that a lot of uh, particularly solopreneurs are challenged by, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're like, oh my gosh, I got to like do this every whatever, every week, got to change things up. I got to, you know, now I have to update this. So what is your, and this probably is corroborated by some of the things that you've just said, what's your approach to that? Like, and, and, and should people be updating, you know, every so often and how often would that uh, look like?
1: So I think it depends. It just differs depending upon your business. Like, obviously, like, let's say you have, um, you have a fashion line, you may only update two, you know, two to three times a year. You're not going to necessarily update constantly. If you are a, um, if you're a writer coach, you know, someone who is putting ideas out there into the world you might need to update, you know, a blog or a podcast on a weekly basis. I think that minimally, everyone should be looking at their website every 6 months to make sure that the language and the images used still resonate with your ideal clients. Because like I said, the world changes. You know, like things shift and you need to make sure that you're at least giving it attention. A website is not oh, I've built it and now I don't have to touch it again for four years. Like you absolutely need to be touching it. And it's just a matter of what, you know, what can you do? What feels good about what you can commit to? So for some people, it's going to be a weekly blog. For some people, maybe a monthly blog. It may be weekly emails for some people or monthly. Like I feel like that cadence can really differ depending upon the business and depending upon the entrepreneur themselves because I'm, I'm a big believer in you should not force yourself to work in a place that doesn't energize you and where you're not getting results. Like that just kind of sounds like insanity right there. Like why not work in places that energize you and that you enjoy in some way. And that actually gets you results. I think it's important that you be curious about different things. So like don't just dismiss, you know, having a podcast because you're like, well, everyone else has a podcast, so I don't need one. No, no, no. That, that's not the right approach, but don't also feel like you have to force yourself to do one because everyone else is doing one either.
0: Yeah, I think this is a great point, because so often we, like, again, like you, you and I have just touched, I think we, we look to other people and other successes, or maybe other yeah. failures to then determine our, our, you know, again, our path, when in fact, it might look different. You know, I think to your point on the podcasting, a lot of people do ask me, should I start a podcast? Should I not? And I'm like, well, do you want to you know, and should you yeah. is is really the question Should you give in your season, should you give in your personality, should you give in your mission? Those are all things that need to be considered. I know that before I started this podcast, I was like, oh my goodness, I mean, there's no way. I just, I'm an introvert, I hate doing, you know, like there's so many things that kind of pushes me to like, I don't want to do it and I don't know if I can, but then I just kind of gave myself like a 30-day period, 60-day, and then it grew to like 90 days and I'm like, okay, maybe, okay, this is working, that's okay, and that's not, you right? And so I think you, you touched on a really crucial point because in this age where it seems like you have to be ever-present, omnipresent almost, yeah. you, I think, have to absolutely choose what's really, really important. And maybe that's like two or three things. Maybe it's one thing. Um, so I, like, I love, love, love that, that comment that you just made there for sure. Um, I do want to touch on just kind of backtrack for a minute here. You you created, actually, speaking of naming things, speaking of transitioning, changing things up, right? You actually, um, you had a, a company named Blue Alchemist originally, right? And yes. before Alchemy and AIM, which is your, your current concept right now. And um, what were some of the top lessons that you learned in that process and phase that maybe you can share with the audience who's listening that you take to heart to this day that you kind of go, okay, this is my North star. Now I know that that's what I should or shouldn't do. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, beyond some of the things that we've already touched on.
1: So I will say calling it a company is very generous. It was more like I had a website and a few clients. It was very dabbly. I didn't quite understand at that time that it was even like a business or I, I didn't know anything about being an entrepreneur. And like even before that, like I can think of instances before and after that before this company I have now where I was doing this thing where I was putting myself out to the world in a particular way and like seeing who I would attract. So with Blue Alchemist, this was probably back in, ooh, I want to say like 2004, you know, like it was like back in the day. And I, um, I had just enough experience with uh, HTML, CSS. And a little bit of um, kind of flash, and, you know, if days when sites were done in flash, that I was able to put like some websites together and probably the biggest lesson that I learned from there. So I, I did this, I did a site for someone, I put together my, my own website and I was like, and now people will find me. Yeah. It's the it's classic mistake anyone yeah. makes when they build a website and here I was making it. I was like, and people will find me and they will all want websites. No one found me no. I did another website because that the person who I did the first website for 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 referred me, but that was about it. Like I didn't really have a network to work, and that's probably like the biggest lesson is you can't just build it; people will not show up. Um, that's just not how it works. And in particular, did not I feel like SEO today is much better than it was back then, but it won't work. You just can't build it and expect people to show up. And you really do have to work on building your network and build building a network genuinely, because that will attract the right people and the right leads your way.
0: Well, and I love that you emphasize, you know, the importance of people before, you know, the the process and the profit and everything. And so I, I think it's something that we consistently talk about on this podcast is, is really that importance of people because Uh, Again, people come up to me sometimes and be like, how do I launch this? How do I create that? And I'm like, well, if you're not even talking to anyone, just worry about all that stuff later, because all of that stuff will be determined and dictated by what you've learned from talking to these people, you know, like all of these things have to come and I think business is all has and always will be about people. And if you don't know people, you don't know business. Right. So I think I love that that's kind of the top lesson and key takeaway that you learn from, from blue alchemist. I actually love that name too. I'm kind of like, yeah, that could be like a, you know, a, a spinoff of your,
1: like, yeah. Like a and it art. still might be, yeah. I might even still own that domain somewhere. I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. anymore.
0: It could be like something else, like a, a specific, um, you know, offering and under, under the belt of, alchemy and aim, perhaps. But, um, but you know, I think with the, going back to the the question of people and boot, bootstrapping, right? And can you, and I, again, I talk about this a lot as well, but what has worked with you when you started to grow, you know, that you, you call it network, we can call it connection, we can call it like community, um, audience, whatever that is. How did you start that out? Like, what are some of the, you know maybe step one, two, three that really had um, you know had made an impact in in some momentum that you 've seen
1: so in my early days, it was actually blogging, and i I started out as a blogger that 's how I really got into development. I had my own blogs, I had a lifestyle blog, I had a food blog, and I was really just there. I just showed up to share with people the Ideas and things that were in my brain or that I found in the world, and I will tell you, I feel like, you know, for me, like 2008 to 2010 was kind of like the golden age of blogging. Like I met, I met people I still talk to today. I I have clients that I got because I knew them as just we were bloggers who knew each other. Um, Some of my biggest clients came from connections in the blogging world, but I was just there to to share and to genuinely connect with people. And I was making friends. And actually, when I took that road trip across the country, I was along the way, I was stopping and I was meeting people that I had only known through the computer. My mother thought I was crazy, but I was meeting these people who I knew because I had a blog and they had a blog and we finally had the chance to sit down and have lunch together or dinner together. And it was wonderful. So I think, I really think, you know, don't think you have to put yourself in a room like a networking room. Like I, I actually am not a fan of those, like um, those, like, you know, community, like, Oh, and every, you know, we have one person who does accounting and one person who does websites and everyone like passes out their business cards together. Like just genuinely put yourself in rooms that you're excited to be in where you have conversation with people and trust that the relate, like work on building those relationships not because they're going to lead to something with a guarantee, but because there's just joy in building relationships with great people. And yeah, I mean, that's, that really is for me, like I'm still feeling, I don't even blog anymore to be frank, but I am still feeling the effects of what I was doing in the early days and those connections I was just making online.
0: Yeah, this is so great. I love your story about connecting with random people that you met online and through your blog and your your family's like, what? Yeah. Who is this? Be careful.
1: My mother thought I was absolutely insane. She was like, you need <laughs> to call me every night. And it was, it was so funny, but I had the most amazing time yeah. with these yeah. people. And they, t- I mean, everyone, everywhere I went took such good care of me because everyone was just so generous of spirit and heart.
0: Yeah, I think what's uh, what's really crucial that you mentioned are two parts and the first part is really again the underlying foundation is you know building that relationship and and growing an actual personal human relationship above all things, right? And then though on top of it you layered and you touched on that golden age of blogging back in the day and I think that's definitely something that you know, people always say, or is it too late to to blog? Is it too late to podcast? Is it too late to do Instagram? Is it too late to even have like a a proper website? And I want to say that I think, I mean, I don't know if you agree or disagree with me on this. I always kind of look for underserved, you know, attention and underserved um, I think need really, you know, mm-hmm. and the need is the same and the, the relationship is the same and the, the need for the relationship is the same. However, the modality, the platforms, right? Those can all change. That's fine. And you have to be mindful and thoughtful about what you pick and whether they resonate with you, one, and two, also whether they do have some momentum, right? And in your case, that was when the golden age of blogging. I mean, I started my podcast when it's the golden age of podcasts. So, um, so I think people have to have those two sides of the spectrum um, in mind. And I usually see them kind of thinking and leaning too far on paying attention to the, okay, what is exactly the tool versus, okay, what exactly is the, you know, the, the mindset and philosophy, but you actually need both in a good balance of both. Right. So, yeah,
1: that's exactly it. I think you, I think you absolutely need both and I don't think it's too late to do anything. I think as long as you're speaking to someone and you're not trying to talk to everyone, like you have to really talk to someone specific. Like I will, I'll tell you kind of this little secret is that when I started my blog, it was specifically meant to flirt with this really hot coworker that I had. (laughs) Like that was the whole reason that I started blogging. That is but I was just like, I mean, it and it transformed and it changed and things like that. But um, I really I was just kind of just like, maybe he'll read it and then he'll ask (laughs) me out and and that'll be it. You know, who who could have guessed that it would have turned out the way that it had? Um and it, but I'm I'm just you know, I'm glad that I I got into it the way I did. And so Mm -hmm. I, I would just say that, like, just play with it, like yeah, try, like get into it a little bit and, and don't think you're too late at all. But you do have to talk to someone specifically. You don't think you can just have a broad message.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think um, that is so, that's a great way to start a blog. And I, yeah. I do want to say, I think that's kind of like, you know, when people think about fitness or health, sometimes they're like, well, I just want to fit into my old jeans or I want to have a six pack abs or whatever, right? And I think it's okay. I think, you know, people often feel guilty that they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's the surface level. And I'm like, that's okay. If that's what gets you in yeah. and, uh, and gets you this, this huge, huge momentum. Sure. Why not? You know, So I love that. That's amazing. Um, Uh, Did And this is kind of besides the point, but did that relationship ever take off or was that? No, that's something.
1: No, it didn't take (laughs) off. Turned out he had a girlfriend. But (laughs) I did end up, you know, with a lot of awesome friends because of blogging and inevitably a business unexpectedly. So it all worked out in the end.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. That's really fun. that's phenomenal. Um, I do want to touch on, you know, you, you had mentioned that, you know, you have some great clients, you know, some featured clients like Brene Brown, Judy Smith, Allie Brown, Dr. Robin, and on and on. And I do want to ask because I think, particularly for the growth and development personally and professionally, in any individual who are who are purpose driven and have this amazing, amazing, uh, vision in mind, we always look to other people who we admire, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that Brene Brown, for instance, is a is someone that a lot of people look up to and and enjoy, especially because her of her beautiful message and the way that she shares it, uh, and and how she's able to unlock certain things that we haven't ever really kind of thought about, right? So, how was that? Did you? what was some takeaway that maybe you have drawn from maybe the experience that you had, you know, I, I, I don't know, interacting with her on any level, right. Whether that's an email, you know, and just kind of seeing the way that she's doing things or maybe even observing from afar or a close, whatever. Um, what were some things that perhaps you had learned that, you know, the audience can also learn?
1: Yeah. I will tell you one of the things that I love about Brene and her whole team and, and really about, Almost all of the, the entrepreneurs I work with, these are people who walk their talk. The, it, there is such alignment. It's not that there's, you know, the front of the house and then like that back of house is messy. No, no. Like they are practicing, they are putting into place what they are sharing, like the message that they share with the world. And I think that is so critical for us is that we are fully aligned. Not just like oh we're showing up as one person online and then we you know end up being this horrible person to our team members or something like that. It, it I, I've just been just in such admiration of that alignment um, and and really how really all of these people I'm working with like they're they're doing the work like they're in it you know they're asking the hard questions um, we have hard, real conversations that propel the companies forward. And I love that. I love that, you know, these aren't people who are shying away from going deep and uncovering what needs to be uncovered so that you can take it to the next level. And I I just, I, I have to say like that for me has just been one of the biggest gifts is just watching So I started out working with Brene about six years ago. And at the time it was like her and a very small team. And she's since grown that even more. And that alignment has stayed the entire, like it really, it just, she's found this beautiful way to like propagate out these teachings that you read about in the books into the company as well. So it's just been, I I mean, like I said, it's really all the people I work with. Like, I don't want to see them show up one way and then have them show up with me differently. Like they are all showing up in the world and on call, like calls with their team in the exact same ways. And I think that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. This is so, I think it's so wonderful also to point out actually how, often it's, uh, it's actually not as easy as it looks to do that, right? Because a lot of people feel like when they go online, or when they go on a webinar, or whatever, they have to do things a certain way, right? And I think, um, not to say that you should just, you know, you know, not put any clothing on when you're going on live (laughs) webinars. But I think more deeply, though, to your point about Brene, is that, you know, I think the reason why a lot of people are able to propagate their message so far and so deeply and so widely is because they never had to feel like there's this disparity between work mm-hmm. and life, right? I think that's what you touched on is essentially, because a lot of the questions right now revolve around, okay, how do I find work-life balance? You know, I feel like I'm I'm guilty when I'm not doing work, or I feel like right. And I I think we all experience that feeling, but it's even more so when we try to do two, essentially live two different lives, right? right. Um, when between work and between life. So I think it does take like a mental discipline, which I'm so glad to hear that Brene and you know all her her beautiful team uh, does um, and still you know still do. Because it just allows us to just be, obviously, be more free to do whatever it is that we're wanting to do and wanting to create. But also, it allows us to just kind of be uh, a lot more kind of uh, you know gracious to ourselves and just be like, you know what, this is how it is, and this is mm-hmm. how I want to. Kind of going back to your road trip story uh, about how you know, and just kind of aligning that with with everything. I am. I didn't. I didn't ask you about that road trip. What was the? Because I have done a cross country road trip in the U.S. and I've seen some interesting things that I, <laughs> I was like, huh. That's interesting, you know, and, and for people who are listening, because we do have some international listeners as well. And um and, and you know, the, they might not be as familiar with the United States landscape and just the the huge range of difference between one one shore to the other. Did you see anything that you kind of go, that's interesting, you know, maybe pique your curiosity a little bit, a thought it was weird, or you know, did you see anything at all at that back then?
1: I will tell you, it helps me understand certain things. That I had learned about, but in a whole new way, like I was part of a food justice committee in San Diego. And there was a lot of talk about food deserts in the United States. San Diego is not a food desert. San Diego is abundant with food. It's the farmers markets there were incredible, all of them. All of them. Even there was one in um, City Heights that was particularly a lot of immigrants and and again, incredible farmers markets. It's just a very um, great region to grow food. But I remember um, walking into I think I was in Michigan or Wisconsin. I'm not sure. I was I was on my way to Chicago and I I woke up um, and stopped at like a grocery store. And walked into it and coming from the coasts, like, I, you know, born on the East coast, spent most of my life there and then moved to the West coast, but coming from the coast, usually the produce aisle is like an entire section of this, you know, it's, it's a good portion of the store in this case, walking into this grocery store in like middle America, the grocery section was smaller than my office. It was like, Wow. 13 by 13 yeah and i it it just i don't know it just kind of like it hit me in a different way of like oh the abundance that i experience on the coasts is not it's not universal across the state so it, it really was just for me that it was one of those big lessons and like not you can go to so many different parts of the United States and no one lives the same way in every part. You know, it's it's a big country and there's lots of di- you know disparities in in different areas.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting that you mentioned that because I was just talking to my kids the other day about poverty, unseen poverty in the United States and how I think a lot of most of the world think that the US is this kind of world of abundance and in a lot of ways they are. Mm-hmm. Um the, it is the case, but It's uh, there actually still a lot of kids who don't have food to eat when they come home from school, they go to school starving and they can't focus or concentrate, right? Because they didn't eat a good breakfast. And, you know, so these things do happen in the United States. And I'm sure as it, I'm sure it does in, you know, halfway around the world where I grew up and in, you know, where I kind of see people on a daily basis, just kind of laying on the street with without legs and you know panhandling and with flies all over their, their bodies. So I think um, you know, to your point about taking ourselves out of our own uh, perspective and into the perspective of another, or maybe even not another person, but another space, another place geographically, um, you know, next door, state, whatever it is, I think is so valuable, because it just kind of give us a, that renewed energy of, okay, life isn't so bad, or actually, I could do it this way, or I, could, I don't have to do it that other way. So I think these are all absolutely fabulous. Um, So uh, Brandy, I actually want to touch on here, uh, you know, before we wrap up how, you know, with your work on alchemy and aim, can you share a little bit more about just a few things that, you know, perhaps the the audience can kind of engage with and and learn more about you and how they can kind of uh, continue to follow your work and, and get value from it. And then we'll wrap up the interview.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I would always tell people like, reach out to me. I love having conversations with people and the contact form on Alchemy name actually comes into my inbox and I still respond to people. It's not like I'm unattainable or, you know, otherwise occupied. I love having conversations with people. Cause I think, um, everyone's needs are going to differ a little bit, but, you know, I just always encourage people like take a look at the site and make sure you're, you're talking. First of all, just make sure you're talking to your ideal client understand where they are now. Like, that's just like the first good move. Um, yeah. I, I think i kind of feel like that's, if there's one thing that you can do, it's that. And then, you know, if you're feel like you're ready to have a conversation about a website or figure out wh- what needs to change because it's feeling misaligned, you know, we use that contact form and reach out to me. Like, awesome
0: amazing and so again brandy's uh, business is alchemy and aim i'll share the link in the show notes you can go check out brandy she's doing amazing work as uh, as you've already heard and you've already learned so i'm hoping that everyone um, who's listening to brandy today you guys um, can leave all the more enriched all the more fulfilled but definitely do follow her and and check out her work and and learn from her you know get her experience and and all of this amazing things and as you have heard she's reachable and I think that's something that's a value I think that's actually something that not a lot of people would say because usually they're like no you know go here or whatever so for sure um, you know follow Brandy's work and with that growth solvers I want to thank my guest Brandy who's amazing and I want to thank everyone who is listening and until then growth solvers be sure to hit that follow subscribe add or collect button I'll see you guys next time